Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Come on, let's go get them. And so we, we ended up in, uh, it was <clears throat> not pretty. But anyways, my point is, is that you can get some friends that can get you into trouble and talk you into some things that you shouldn't be talked into. But you also got some friends that will help bail you out of some things as well, don't you? Amen. And that's the family of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, hey, good to see everyone out this morning. Uh, obviously, I was gone last week. Uh, my wife filled in for me and uh, did an amazing job, as always. Uh, again, just off the cuff. Yeah, come on, man. She, she bailed me out in a pinch, you know, just under the weather a little bit. And so, but praise God, we're on top. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was in the Philippines, there was a Bible school that we would teach uh, over there. And first year had a saying. And uh, one of the, the, their, their saying for first year was, is we're on top and rising. And then second year, they had a motto. And theirs was, is we're tougher than hell. And so... So, in regards to my ailments, praise the Lord, I'm tougher than hell. Hell hell tried to come, but I'm tougher through Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Let's get into this this morning. And uh, parents, you might have to explain to your kids what I just said there. Did you hear what pastor said this morning? (laughs) You get the meaning behind what I said. (laughs) So anyways, uh, we're in week number two of a series that we started last week. And it's simply called Love. It's what we do. And uh, if you don't realize it or not, that God has given us a, a, a great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. You, but, but you re- realize that the gospel is the good news or really the love of God. And how many of you know that the word co-mission means partnership, right? And so God desires for us to partner with him. So Jesus came with a mission. Jesus came with a mission to love people, right, and make the sacrifice for us to have a relationship with the Father. But once he came and fulfilled his mission, he came and then said, now I give you a commission. We are doing this together. We're working together. And so therefore, I want you to purpose to walk in love and love people. So love, it's what we do. Amen? Or at least it's what we should do. <laughs> Amen? He says, I've called you to be an example to people. For me, And how many of you know that some of the most difficult places for you to be an example of God's love is in your own home? Anybody have ever experienced that before? You know, they get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and oftentimes it's the ugly that they see the most of, right? Because you let your guard down at home. You think, well, I'm comfortable. You know, you should know better. You shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that. And so I'm just going to let you have it right now, right? And so it's, the, it's one of those opportunities that we have the greatest opportunity to walk in love. And it's something that we do, or at least that we should, have, should do. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that love fixes everything. I said, love fixes everything. And I'm talking about the God kind of love working on the inside of us. How many of you know that love is the great equalizer? Amen? It brings everything down to the simplest foundation. But also, love 
is the never-ending eraser. It's the equalizer, but it's also the eraser. So that means that the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, right? In fact, let me read it to you from uh, the, the uh, New Passions translation. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over the multitudes. <clears throat> love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Can you give me a bottle of water, please? So first of all, notice what it says. <clears throat> it says that love will echo. Love will echo God. So let me ask this. When it comes to echo, <clears throat> what is an echo? Typically, if I'm going <coughs> to, excuse me, sorry. If I'm going to echo you, what am I going to typically echo? I'm going to echo what you said or what you say. So we'll come back to that in just a little bit. But notice once again, it says that love is a canopy that covers sin. How many of you know that sin is really nothing more than just mess? Mess that separates us from God. And it says that love is a canopy that covers that up. You know, in my, uh, <clears throat> at my house, uh, my garage is not a garage that holds cars. <laughs> Has anybody got a garage like me? You know, it's, it's something that you use as a storage bin, as a workshop, or something that catches all your stuff. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, we've lived in our house for, I think, like 21 years almost. And I think my vehicles have maybe seen the inside of my garage maybe, maybe three weeks out of the hole, 20-some <clears throat> years. <coughs> I am so sorry. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. We'll get there. Yeah, give me a cough drop. Amen. Yeah, then you can hear me sucking on the cough drop. That's great. So anyways, uh, concerning my garage... Concerning my garage, there are times that I've been working in my garage, and, and then you invite some people over. And so, because of all the mess that you have in there, there's some times that I've cleaned the one half of the garage, and then I hung a canopy down the middle of my garage from the rafters down. And so, therefore, when you walk into my garage, you come over to my house, like, oh, wow, hey, man, look at this garage. It's kind of cool. You know, it's real clean and blah, blah, blah. But you just don't know what's on the other side of the canopy. <laughs> I put the canopy there specifically so you don't see all the mess and all the junk that's over there. You know what I'm saying? And so the Bible says that love is a canopy that guards you from being able to see all the mess. And aren't you glad that the love of God is that very thing for you? That he doesn't see your mess. He doesn't see your uh, torn up life like you see it. Because there's a canopy of love that keeps him from seeing all the mess. He just sees that which Jesus did to make you clean and to make you right. Amen. And the Bible says, now, you echo God. And so, love is the very thing that makes us like God. If you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing a message called Balanced. And we said that the very character of God or the nature of God is that he is a giving, a generous God. That that's part of his attribute. But the very nature of him being a giver comes out of the source or the force of love. You know the scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
So therefore, the reason that he gave was simply because he had a heart of love for us. And so when we're generous and we're giving in our life, we take on the characteristic of God. But when you purpose to love people, you take on the very nature of who God is and you become like God in that moment because you're choosing to put a canopy up to see beyond the mess and look past all the junk of somebody's life and purposing just to love them as they are. Amen? So what does love do? Love begins to create something new. Love changes the landscape by which you see. Come on, how many of you know that you can look at somebody from two different perspectives? Right? You can look at them from all the junk that you know about them. Come on, I was talking with, with Matt. Uh, 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 you know, he's been with us since the beginning of the year, but he's talked about that even since he's been here, uh, there's been people that he's known that uh, have come to the church or are part of the church that knew him before BC or uh, while he wasn't serving God. You know what I'm saying? And so somebody could look at him like, oh, yeah, I know how you were. I knew all the stuff that you did. But then when God comes in and loves on somebody, the landscape changes. The canopy's put up. The mess is covered up to where nobody can see the mess unless you choose to remember it, Right? I've had that very same thing in my own life. People that have come to the church that I went to school with, it's like, oh, dear God, you're a preacher? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Jesus still doing miracles, amen, <laughs> right? So love will change the landscape of your scenery. But you have to understand that love is a choice. Come on, say it with me. Say, love is a choice. So therefore, if you'll choose to love, it will change the landscape of what you see in your life unless you get your butt in the way. You know what I mean by that? Well, I choose to love you, but, right? Well, I know I'm supposed to love you, but if you would purpose to love me, I'll love you back. But it, you go first, right? Right? We always put that but in there as a qualifier or thinking, well, I'll do it conditionally because of the circumstances, because of the things that I know, because of the history that we have together. I'll do it, but. And the moment that I say but, I disqualify the power of love to function and work in my life to make something new or to change the landscape. Amen. Aren't you glad that God didn't say that to you? I'll love you, but I'll send Jesus, but you've come to him and asked him forgiveness for the hundredth, thousandth, millionth time. And he says, okay, I'll forgive you this time, but no, he keeps on saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you in spite of the mess. Why? Because there's a can canopy of love through what Jesus came to do that covers the mess. In fact, for that matter, you remember that God says, I, I, I remember your sins no more. So God doesn't have a memory. Why? Because love is an eraser. And if I'm supposed to be like God, when I see you and choose to walk in love, I shouldn't have that past, that history as a filter by which I interact with you. Now, please take that with balance. There's got to be wisdom in how you interact with somebody. You just, you're not ignorant and allow somebody to take advantage of you. You get the point. But I'm saying you can't let somebody's faults or failures be the filter by which you see them. Why? Because love is a canopy. 
Love is eliminating the ability for you to continue to see the junk that once was. Amen. So there are three things that I want to talk to us this morning about. Number one is our decisions. Number two, direction. Number three, destination. Decisions, direction, and destination. And it's a plan for success in our life. And God had to make a decision at the very beginning. He had to choose to say, you know what? I'm going to forgive the man that I made to love and sinned against me. I have to make a decision to forgive. But then once he made the decision to forgive humanity, then it set him in a direction to create a destination for every single one of us. The decision was to forgive us. The direction was to send Jesus. The destination was forgiveness of the cross for every single one of us. And it is the very expression of love. Now notice what the Bible says here in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. It says, faith works by love. Faith works by love. Now I'm sure every single one of us are at some place in our life, have, have come against the brick wall and says, God, I'm believing you for something. I'm praying about something. God, I, I'm trying to use my faith in something, but it seems as though I am not getting the answers that I desire. Has anybody ever been there before? God, what's up? What's going on, God? God, how come it is that it seems as though this is happening in my life? Well, you realize that frustrations and challenges and discouragements in life can begin to whittle away at your faith walk with God. Have you ever been in that position where you're trusting God and then you kind of get to the point like, well, God, maybe it's just not what you desire for me. And you start to back off your faith. Could it be that your faith isn't working because your love hasn't been working? Is it possible that your faith has not grown because your love walk hasn't grown? And let me say it this way. If your love walk does not grow, your faith will not grow because faith works by love. In fact, Jesus even said this. He said, now, husbands, he says, you know, if you're praying for something but you got all against your wife, he said, don't think your prayers be answered. What, you mean it's going to affect my prayers? Absolutely. Amen. Man, I've been praying for her for the last 35 years. Now I got the answer. Okay, God, get it, get it right with me. Come on. <laughs> Amen, right? Amen. We're believing God. So again, when it comes to my faith walk with God, there's always a choice. Life is always presenting crossroads in my life. And when I face that crossroad, I have a decision to make. Will I walk in love? Will I echo God? Or will I choose to hold on to the hurt, the resentment, the pain, the discouragement of life and take that journey? Because whatever decision I make begins to set a direction. At this crossroad, I can choose to walk in the light of what I see and what I know, 
And based on my own circumstances of experience, I've, I've been hurt and discouraged, so let's just continue going down this road. Or I have a choice to walk in love right now concerning this situation and head this direction. But every decision sets a course of direction. Does that make sense? Every time you choose to either walk in love or not walk in love, it sets the direction. It changes the course. It changes the direction of life. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says this. It says that God is love. Okay, so let me just give you something that is very sobering to think about. To take a step out of love is to take a step out of God. I'll say it again. To take a step out of love is to take a step out of God. So to take a step out of love means that I take a step out of the perfect will of God for my life. Amen? Are you seeing that? Because if I'm walking with God who is love, the very nature of who He is is love. He's got a desire for my life. And if I'm in Him, the Bible says that I walk in love. And He says, but now, if you don't love... He says, you really don't know the Father. So that means every time I make a decision to not walk in love, I take a step. I take a step. It sets the direction. It sets the direction. It sets the direction. Amen? And before I know it, the direction of where I'm headed to a destination is far different than what the will of God would be for my life because of the choice that I make. Amen? Now think about this. It sounds so simple. And it really, for that matter, the whole premise of walking in love is simple, but it's not easy. You know what I mean? I mean, the principle is, is simple. But now to do it, it's not always easy because now I've got everything in life to contend with. Right? Right? I mean, everything in life has built up to get me to this point in my life. And you're wanting me to walk in love. Right? I mean, you realize when you're a young kid, you're naive. You don't necessarily understand everything. You don't see everything because you see through the filter of kids' eyes. But then you start to become an adult. And once you become an adult, you realize, you know what? I was from a dysfunctional family. I mean, they were messed up. And I look at my life and where I'm at and how I live and how I think and how I talk is a direct result of the family that I was brought up in. And man, I am a dysfunctional person. And, and, and all the insecurities that I have and the depression that I, I carry and everything that I am is a result of this life that I came out of. And it's like, man, I feel like I'm up against the wall. And then you start realizing, you know what? Life is not fair. There are the people that are the haves and the have-nots. And dear God, you know, there are those people that are just so beautiful and pretty, and they got everything just looking so perfect. And then there's me. Now, God, what's up with that? How come I had to, to be born on this side of the tracks rather than on that side of the tracks? How come I didn't have the features and the characteristics that so-and-so does? How come everybody else has the good luck and I just seem to have bum luck? You know what I'm talking about? Where you start to process life, starting to think about things, and then you think, well, you know what? 
if I married somebody, if I found Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, that would begin to set my life in the right course, man. I would find my other half. It would make me whole, and it would seem like life would become so much better. And then once you marry that individual, you find out that that man or that woman is more broken and dysfunctional than you are. And then all of a sudden, you add two parts of dysfunction, and you got one major mess. And you're looking for something different. You thought you was marrying the dream, but you find out that you woke up to the nightmare. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And it just seems like life is going from bad to worse. And then on top of that, now we've got five kids. And those stinking kids, they want, they need, they cry, they whine, they whatever. And it just never stops. Not that you don't love your kids, but they constantly are pulling and draining and having something that they want from you. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? And where life just keeps building up. And you're thinking, dear God, I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my family. Struggling with money. I mean, I'm struggling in every area of my life. And now you're telling me you want me to walk in love? You know, I just go out to the, uh, to the street corner. And as I'm sitting there, the light turns green. And the person in front of me stays on their phone texting and playing on Facebook. 30 seconds later, I'm blasting the horn. Get going down the road. What are you, stupid or something? Get off your phone. <laughs> driving down the expressway, you're in the fast lane, and there's that person driving 60 miles an hour, and you're thinking, what the heck are you doing? The slow people are over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything in life begins to compound and irritate you and frustrate you to where everything that you see in life is filtered through the junk of life to where you are so overcome with frustrations. And it filters everything that you see and that you do and how you respond and act with people. Come on, is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? I mean, you look at your family and you think, you know what, I just I'd soon slap you upside the head and never, the, right? It's just the way it is. And that's human nature. But if we don't arrest it, what it does is it continually compounds. Till we find ourselves as adults becoming so overwhelmed and frustrated with life. And we find ourselves in a place to say, how did I get here? When God said, I desire that you walk in love. Because walking in love is what we do. Amen. And so you might say, you know, well, I just don't choose to do anything. I don't have a bad attitude. I don't get upset. I just sit there and do nothing. Is fold my arms, mind my business. But how many of you know that God doesn't stand still? God is always moving forward. So if you decide to pucker up your lip and say, well, I just, I won't say nothing. You know, you, just, you didn't like my opinion the last time, so I just sit here, shut up, and not do nothing. Well, God just took a step forward. Well, when God took a step forward, you're one step behind. You realize God's not going to play games with you. He's not going to. Play peekaboo. He's not going to coddle you. He's not going to feel sorry for you. No, he's going to say, we're moving forward. You coming with me? And so if you decide to have your little pity party, God continues to move forward. So not only is God moving forward, then every time you choose to not walk in love, you take a step out of love. You take a step out of love. And the direction begins to shift and to change to where as life has continued, God has been over here for a very long time and I find myself over here and because I'm out of love I'm out of the will of God are you seeing that 
and we wonder, why am I so frustrated with life? It's because I've gotten out of love. And it's just a conscious choice. It's a decision to say, I will walk in love. I will choose to allow me, me to echo what God does and put up the canopy that allows me not to interact with people based on their history, but based on His. Amen? Life has a way of just beating the love out of you, doesn't it? Amen. Every decision out of love turns me away from God's direction. It's just one choice. How many of you realize that many of the choices that you've made thus far have gotten you where they are, and it's been a series of choices? But it only takes one choice to turn and choose love. Amen? And this is one of those things, again, God is not up there beating you over the head, or he's not saying, you know, oh, you didn't walk in love. You made a bad decision. No, he's trying to love you through it and trying to help you in spite of yourself. You know, we were in Oklahoma this past week. It's a minister's conference, and we found out about some ministers that we know. And you start to find out some things that have transpired over the last few decades. And you begin to find out that there has been a lot of issues, and really it's been a breakdown of love within the family and within the ministry. And come to find out that the children of these ministers are up in arms and angry because of lies that have been said, the lies that they thought were truth for so long, and have now discovered that it was all about lies to bring about division and schism, to play one against the other. And now there is this major upheaval within the family and where this ministry had the opportunity to continue to have a legacy and, and continue the, the, the generational blessing of what a ministry can be, the writing's on the wall for that ministry to just fall apart and become nothing because leadership chose not to walk in love. But how many of you know that God never desired that from the first place. And when you look over the years through the history of that family, God had done tremendous things in spite of them not walking in love. You know what I'm talking about? So don't think, well, it's all or nothing. No, God is there to help redirect and re-guide you back to where you need to be. He's there to help you in the journey. Now, just in my own personal life, again, just to kind of, I guess, share the fact that we're all on this journey together. Uh, we started uh, this year, uh, every year we go down to Tennessee, there's a minister's conference that we uh, hit just to kind of get our year started, to get it recalibrated and looking forward. And so this year we took our kids with us. It was the first time we ever did that. But just in, in spite of that, you know, as I'm looking at my kids, I'm talking to the Lord about some things. And I said to the Lord, I said, you know, there's some things in my family, within my kids, how we interact, and just, just a number of things. I said, God, I said, I just desire there to be more. And there, there are some things that I see that I don't like. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? No matter whether you're a preacher or not, you look at your family like, God, I want that to be better. I want the relationship to be better. I want it to be stronger. I want these things to, to be functioning. And so I was asking the Lord, help me 
in, in helping my family. And so the Lord gave me some instruction while we were there in Tennessee. He said, put a questionnaire together. And he said, and have your kids answer these questions. And so over the course of a couple of weeks, I just would pray about it. And I said, Lord, give me the right questions to ask my kids. I just did it to my two oldest. And so I had three pages of questions. And so I gave it to my two oldest daughters and they filled them out. And I was extremely proud of just their boldness and their candor to be able to expl express themselves and to answer these questions. So I was extremely proud of them. And then I was also proud of the fact that there were some things that they answered that kind of surprised me. And I'm like, wow, I'm blessed by what they said. But then there were some things that they expressed that just really hurt me. Not the fact that they answered them that way, but it was because it was a byproduct of me as a parent. Things that I created, things that I contributed to as a result of just the whole dynamics of the family. Now, I could sit there and allow that to really just mess with me and just allow me to get down in the mully grubs and depressed. Or I can use that and say, okay, God, how do we echo you in this setting and begin to use it as a springboard and a platform to turn the landscape and the things of what we want to see in the home? You hear what I'm saying? And so you have the opportunity to change the landscape. It starts with a decision. Then it sets the direction. And it's up to you. You realize that God doesn't have any plan B's. He just has plan A and it's a good plan. Amen. And so uh, when I'm in love, I am in the perfect will of God. Now, let's break this down for the sake of decision. Causing there to be a shift in direction. That changes my destination. So here I am. I kind of expressed it to begin with already. But here I am in my life. And I say, okay, God, I've got a choice today. Am I going to walk in love or am I going to choose to hold on to that grudge and hold on to that offense? Oh, I'm going to choose to be offended? Okay. I set my direction. And then God says, well, what are you going to do about this? Well, I don't plan on doing anything. Well, God takes a step forward. And then as life goes on and decision and choices one after the other, before you know it, I keep setting the direction based upon my decision. And as I said, we find ourselves outside of the will of God being frustrated. But now here's the awesome thing about God. I said there might have been many choices and decisions that got me here, but it just takes one decision to say, God, I choose to walk in love that resets, erases equalizes and makes everything brand new in my landscape. And that's simply saying, God, I choose to walk in love. And here's what happens. God does not take me from where I'm at and launch me over here into the will of God. No, these choices have gotten me over here. But the moment that I say, God, I choose to walk in love, God takes up his will, his plan, his purpose, and he brings it over in that moment and sets it right where I'm at. Immediately, he brings his will to where I'm at. Now, you say, well, why doesn't he take me and put me where his will was? Because you realize I still got some decisions over here that I might have to work through and God might need to help me because it got me here. But nevertheless, God takes his will and puts me smack dab in the middle of it. Amen. 
So, how do we choose to walk in love? We said that love fixes everything. How is it that I begin to choose to walk in love to change my landscape? We said that we're going to purpose to echo God. So, if I'm going to echo God, then that means I've got to say some things. Do you realize that the frustrations and the hurts and the discouragements that you are experiencing in your life are a byproduct of things that you've spoke about and talked about, and it's created this thing in your heart? So the first thing that you must do is to say, God, I repent. That's a word that we don't hear in church very often, but it's a word called repent. It means to receive forgiveness of sin. If you're not walking in love, you're walking in sin, just FYI. But here's the thing. The word repent means to turn around and head the opposite direction. Did you see that one decision to say, God, I repent, forgive me, sets direction? Did you see that? One decision sets my direction. God, I repent. Forgive me for not walking in love. Help me in these circumstances and the affairs of my life. So then how do I begin to make love work. If you got a pen, write these down. Number one, words are the most powerful thing or the powerful tool that I possess. My words are the most powerful or the, pow the, the most powerful tool that, tool that I possess. I'll get it out if you got that. Do I need to say it again? The Bible says that your tongue is like a rudder on a ship that changes the course and the direction of that ship. Even though it's a little thing, it has the power. The Bible says that there's power of life and death in the tongue. So once I've repented and asked God to forgive me for not walking in love, what do I do? I find those areas, those arenas, those people, those, those things in my life, and I begin to declare the potential in others. When you look at your children, when you look at your spouse, when you look at your coworkers, you oftentimes look at them through the filter of the disappointment. You have to choose to no longer look through that lens because the canopy of love has been raised. And therefore, you declare or say what their potential is. Honey, you're the most awesome wife there ever was. You're the best cook. You're the best mom. You're the best wife. Now, you might be having a knee-jerk saying, well, yeah, that's not so. Listen, I'm not looking at what was. I'm looking at the potential. And I'm declaring the potential. Do you realize that when God set his plan in motion, he declared your potential before he ever saw you come to this earth, knowing that you would fail at every turn? But nevertheless, he loved you enough and sent Jesus because of your potential. And so what do you do? You declare their potential. When it comes to your children, man, you're awesome. You can do everything that you set your mind to. Oh, don't let that discourage you. I'm here behind you. I've got your back. Whatever it is, you begin to declare their potential. You're at work. And there's that person that just seems to be the knothead. What do you do? Do you acknowledge their failures and their faults? No, you begin to speak life into them and you love them. You declare their potential. Right? How many of you know you can get that way about your church? Well, so-and-so ain't here today. How come attendance is down today? What's the problem? What's going on? What did you do? You just raised the filter of history versus the potential of God's heart and plan. 
No, man, this church is going over. Man, God's called us here to do this, do something amazing. He's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for this, this church, and I'm part of it. Amen? Number two, you declare the source of your power and of theirs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can walk in love. I can forgive. I can see the positive things in life. And furthermore, when it comes to my spouse, my children, my church, my coworkers, God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit's working in them as well. You are creating things and changing things, and the landscape is becoming what I desire to be because of the power and the source that is at work within me and through me and for me. Number three, we have to declare the need for persistence. What does that mean? You're going to have the opportunity to say, well, I tried it. I tried it. It ain't changing. God don't want you to try it so that they change. He wants you to keep at it so you change. <laughs> Woo. We won't camp on that one. We'll just kind of keep on moving. <laughs> Amen. Declare the need for persistence. In other words, you keep at it. Well, God, it ain't working. Keep at it. God, it ain't changing. Keep at it. The landscape looks the same. Keep at it. Keep loving because love covers the mess. And number four, declare the promise. God, I'm choosing to walk in love because you said love covers a multitude of sins. I'm echoing what you say. And therefore, the promises of God are yes and amen. You said that I would have the promises of God working in my life. And therefore, if you said it, that settles it. I'm taking it to the bank. Amen? Because love never fails. And we're going to walk in love because that's what we do. Amen? Amen. this help anybody this morning? Amen. Can you all stand, please? Praise the Lord. How many are you going to choose to walk in love? Woo-hoo. Now, remember, I said that the love walk... The premise, the principle is simple. It's not easy. And I'll guarantee you, you cannot walk in love in your own strength. You will fail every time. That's why you need the help of God that's on the inside of you. And allowing Him to help you love and love through you. And be attentive to hear. Because there's going to be those times that you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction and want to say and want to do and want to respond. And he's going to say, hey, 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 hey. And you're going to have to be quick to bite your tongue or to not respond or lash out. That in itself is walking in love. God's going to help you because God wants to change the landscape. He wants to make things new. God's in the business of fixing things and creating something brand new that you never even could dream of. Amen? Amen. If you will, just bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray for you and pray for your families as we depart today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that's here whether they're listening online or here in the auditorium. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we heard the challenge to walk in love. God, we ask for your help. First, we ask you to forgive us. God, forgive us for 
just responding the way that we've always responded, that it's been a knee-jerk reaction, and it's become our custom. But God, help us start something new. Help us respond in love, being slow to speak and quick to hear. And God, as you begin to mold and shape us, we will begin to see the landscape change right in front of our eyes. And God, as we purpose to surrender our hearts to you, we fall and find ourselves right in the very middle of the will of God for our lives. So we thank you for it. And we thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life